reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. Going out about nine o'clock, the landowner saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you too go into my vineyard, and I will give you what is just. So they went off, and he went out again around noon and around three o'clock, and did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, the landowner found others standing around. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They answered, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you too go into my vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, summon the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started about five o'clock came, each received the usual daily wage. So when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, these last ones worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who bore the day's burden and the heat. He said to one of them in reply, my friend, I am not cheating you. Do not agree with me for the usual daily wage. Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give the last one the same as you? Am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus the last will be first, and the first will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. Are you envious because I am generous? Today's gospel, Jesus gives a very simple but challenging parable that warns us of the dangers of envy. On the other hand, the real power of generosity. Envy, generosity. And today I just want to make three short statements, each three words long. You ready for this? Three statements, three words long. This is to unpack the power of this parable. And the first is that envy kills life. Envy kills life. All together. If you think this is an overstatement, consider who's the first person who's killed in the Bible? First person who dies. Abel, right? <laughs> Cain kills his brother Abel. Why does Cain murder his brother, kill his Abel? Because of, say it with me, envy, right? Cain sees his brother Abel offer. They both make offerings to God. Rather than focusing on his, what, is, what does Cain do? He's looking over at Abel. Hey, what's he doing? Oh, God's pleased with him, and envy takes his heart. Then what does God do? God actually speaks to Cain, right? What does he say? I'll paraphrase. <laughs> That's his... Hey, Cain, hey, bud, what's going on? <laughs> you, you got, you're not happy? But, uh, why are you worried about your brother Abel? If you, this is what God 
says, if you offer from your heart, you're offering to me, you're generous in every way, why are you worried about what he's doing? Why are you worried about the goodness over here, not focusing on your own blessing? Why aren't you counting your blessings? Why are you comparing other blessings? And then God says something very striking. Do you remember this in the Old Testament? He says to Cain, but if not, if you haven't been generous, then watch out. Envy is lurking at your door. Almost personifies envy, like the, the green-eyed monster, right? Isn't that the envy is lurking at your door? And what happens? Cain allows that monster to possess him. He kills his brother, and not only does he kill Abel, he kills his own soul. He's marked forever, absent from God. Envy kills life. And if you go through the Old Testament, I could tell you story after story. Kingdoms fall. The kingdom of Saul, first king, wiped out. Why? He's envious of David. King Ahab in the north, the ten tribes of Israel, lost forever. What's the first step to their downfall? Jezebel and Ahab get what? Envious of a little vineyard that Naboth has, and it, in a sense, spirals out of control after they kill Naboth, right? Envy kills life. That's not an overstatement. It kills life. It kills relationships. It kills our spirit. It kills our soul. St. Augustine says that envy is demonic from the devil, and it's very subtle. In Thomas Aquinas says envy kills love. Sorrow over the good, someone else's good, is uh, indeed disastrous for our life. So, what's our first statement? Envy kills life. It kills the life of our relationships, the life of our spirit. kills. Here's some more good news. <laughs> my second statement. Envy attacks virtue. Envy attacks virtue. What is it? Envy there's lots of ways we fail, lots of sins that come from our weakness. The fact that we're fragile, we struggle, our passions get the best of us, right? We think of lust or gluttony or anger or even more minor impatience or frustration. These come from the fact that we are weak, right? We're fragile, our passions get disordered. Envy, on the other hand, is subtle. It attacks goodness. It's not weakness. It's rooted in goodness. How to explain this? Well, we hear from the readings today, and we know in, in God's goodness, God is always generous with us, is he not? God will always forgive you if, indeed, you seek his forgiveness, if you seek his mercy. Is God's mercy limited in any way? No, absolutely not. God's mercy is abundant, generous, overabundant. There's nothing you could do that is so terrible that God can't forgive. Do you believe this? Amen? Mm, that sounded like we kind of, this section over here kind of believes it. I'm not sure about that. Do we believe that there's nothing we can do? Do we believe that God is so abundantly generous he can forgive us anything? Amen? He can forgive us anything. That is salvation. That is salvation. That's, that's the heartbeat of all we believe. And that's good news. But now consider this. Everything I just said, about God's abundance of mercy, his generosity. You know who that applies to besides yourself? 
person who hurts you, the person who belittled you, the person who betrayed you, the person who is indifferent and ignores you, God's generosity for them is abundant. God's mercy for them is, seems to us perhaps over-exuberant. What is envy? Here's the litmus test for envy. If God's blessing offends our sense of justice, envy is lurking. Envy's around. If we begin to compare my blessings, the good, good things I have in my life with someone else, and someone else's Lord, I'm here on Sunday Mass. <laughs> I, should, I should be blessed, right? I'm doing all the right things. I'm trying, Lord. And here's this other person who doesn't believe in God, doesn't seem to be living a very moral life. They seem to be blessed and have health in every way. What are you doing, Lord? There's envy, the seeds of envy planted. If you ask yourself and see that God is loving the person who harmed you or harmed ones you love, and it rankles, <laughs> it doesn't feel right, what does God say to you this morning? It's the same thing he said to Cain. <laughs> Why are you worried about the other person, the goodness, the blessing in someone else's life? Right? Stop comparing blessings. Why? Because envy is lurking at your door. Envy attacks goodness. It attacks virtue. And it attacks us precisely when we do good things. When we do good things and we don't feel like we've been sufficiently blessed. We begin to envy the blessing of others. So how do we approach this? If envy kills life, if envy attacks our sense of virtue or the, or the goodness that we think we deserve, what's the antidote for that? What virtue counteracts that? Well, the Lord says it's generosity. This is our third statement, that whereas envy kills life, generosity gives life. Generosity gives life. Altogether, generosity gives life. See it over and over in the scriptures. It's interesting, I was thinking about just the ways in which uh, we are wired for generosity. Uh, they did a study a few years ago. This was, a, I think, some Ivy League school. And it was a, a collaboration with a medical school, the medical school, and the divinity school. And they just, they put out a little uh, welcome to anyone who wanted to enter into a study, not telling them exactly what it was, but just saying, are you experiencing stress in life? Is there a sense of kind of malaise in your life where you're dealing with kind of a drift or kind of low-key depression or melancholy, even if there's like physiological things like uh, high um, uh, heartbeat and uh, hypertension and things like that, come join our study. So this is what they did. Everyone in part of the study got a certain routine in terms of exercise and eating. That was good. And then half of the group, they gave particular medicine to to kind of combat whatever particular physiological thing was, uh, was bedeviling them. The other group, they didn't give one drug. They gave one pill. You know what they told them to do? They had to track it every day. To spend 15 minutes in acts of generosity. They actually like connected them with local like uh, volunteering opportunities and some such, and track. And after six months, interesting. After six months, the uh, 
the self-reported mental health and physical health of those who didn't take anything chemical, no drugs, no pills, was equal to and greater than the test group that had taken chemicals and drugs. Why is that? Why is it? It shouldn't surprise us. Why? Because we're made to give. Why? We are made in whose image? In God's image and likeness. And what does that mean? It means that when we act like God, we're who we were meant to be, right? We're firing all cylinders, right? When we act as God acts, we are in health. That's where health comes from. That's where happiness comes from. And God, who is generosity then, when we act generously, we can expect that we will be in good health, mind, body, and spirit. So here's the practical question. How is it that we can grow in generosity? How can we be attentive to where the subtlety of envy might be creeping in? Well, the first thing we have to do, I think, is just be attentive to where is the need around us? How much resource are we putting that? So ask yourself this question. You take the resources you have, your time, your finances, the gifts you have, how generous can you truly say you are with those blessings? How generous are you with the blessings that God has given you? And here's a little practical morning prayer for us this week. This is my little challenge for us, a little prayer, a little morning offering where we simply say, Lord, as we get up in the morning, help me to be attentive to where need is in my life. Lord, help me to see the need around me and help me to respond generously, full-heartedly with your generosity. Lord, help me to see the need and respond indeed. Lord, help me to see the need and respond indeed. That's our prayer. That's our prayer for this week. You know, it's often said that God is generous, but that's not quite true. You know what's more true? God is not generous. God is generosity. It's what it is to be God. God can't, in a sense, help himself, so to speak. He is always giving, always giving. And when we are generous, it's not just that we're doing something that benefits us. It's not just a human virtue. It's a share in God's life. The share in God's life where envy seeks to possess, to rot our bones, as it says in Scripture, to kill our life. Acts of generosity fill us with the very power, the nature of God himself. Let our prayer be this week. Lord, help me to see the need. 